You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to visit with draft analyst Lance Erline from NFL.com and spotlight the Browns with Ken Carmen from 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. And let's kick off the podcast today with Andy Benoit from MMQB. Andy, as always, we appreciate the time. You break down tape. You're thoughtful with your analysis. Whomever gets Kirk Cousins, how good of a quarterback will they be landing this week? Well, it's interesting because I think Kirk Cousins' value is a little bit dependent on what you have around him. So, in my opinion... He if, he if he goes, let's say he goes to the Vikings, and, and I that's who I would put my money on, I think he becomes a very valuable quarterback with that kind of a supporting cast and a balanced run-pass-oriented offense playing opposite an elite defense. If he were to be signed by the Jets, a team that has almost no weapons and a makeshift offensive line, I don't think there's much value in that at all because Kirk Cousins in and of himself, he's not someone that transforms your offense. So he's a plug-in type of QB. And what's interesting is this year, there are uh, there are two teams, really. It's Denver and Minnesota that view themselves as Super Bowl-ready with the defenses they have, yet they need a quarterback to plug in. And there just happens to be one on the market, which never happens. So it'll be fascinating to see. Um, I think there are two Kirk Cousins. If you're signing him as a plug-in guy, that's great, and that's, that's going to cost you a lot of money still. If you're signing him as the other Kirk Cousins or the superstar that you're hoping he is, he's never been that. He's not that, and, and you're still going to pay a lot of money. So it'll depend on who signed him. Andy, when you look at the 49ers and, and, and actually grabbing Richard Sherman, uh, how complex is that, that deal considering that he's coming off of an Achilles uh, injury and knowing how old he is and, and how many years of it is guaranteed when it comes down to when he steps on the football field, how impactful he can probably be? Yeah, the, the bottom line with the way the contract is structured is if Richard Sherman's on the field and he's performing at a near Richard Sherman type of level that we've come to see, he's going to get paid a lot of money. And if he, if he doesn't, he's going to get paid very little money. So both sides kind of hedged on that one, and I understand it, and I understand Sherman doing that, and I certainly understand the Niners doing that. The thing to remember about Sherman is there were subtle signs of decline in his game before the Achilles injuries. And maybe that had to do with, remember he had a knee injury, injury a few years ago, it very well could have had to do with that. And some of his change of direction ability diminished, and he got vulnerable a little bit for a while there on in-breaking routes, so dig routes, slant patterns. Uh, he was vulnerable there. Now he's coming off the Achilles. He, you know, it's, it's, I'm not optimistic about it. I hope he's good. I hope he's effective because he's been a, a plus entity for the league, and he's been a tremendous player. Um, and he is going to a Niners scheme that's very similar to the one he played in Seattle. I'm sure that was a factor on both sides making this deal. So we'll see how it plays out. But, I mean, Cordell, you know, I mean, coming off, the, you, know, you know how hard it is to come off any major injury. To be a cornerback coming off two Achilles surgeries, I don't know how that can be done. 
But, you know, unfortunately for me, I'm just a guy that has to sit and watch this stuff. I don't have to go do it. <laughs> Chatting with Andy Benoit of Sports Illustrated. Andy, with Jimmy Graham moving on from Seattle, looking for a new team to play for, where do you think the tight end is at this stage of his career? He is strictly a receiver. So whoever signs him, they're going to be signing him as an oversized wide receiver for all intents and purposes. A very good slot one, one who's big enough that he could line up next to your offensive tackle as a tight end and run routes. But you're not signing him for his blocking. That became even more apparent with every passing game in Seattle. And that's not to say you won't have him run block from time to time. But his value is strictly as a receiver. So a team that needs a flexible, big receiving target, that's who's going to sign Jimmy Graham. And I think, ironically, the the one team that stands out the most to me would be the New Orleans Saints. And what Jimmy Graham could give them in their passing game and the dimension when he's on the field with Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, those three guys and where you line them up, that would be a very difficult equation to deal with. So I would like, I would love to see him go to an offense like that. One of these teams that already has another versatile uh, tight end or another versatile running back in the passing game to make Jimmy Graham an ultra flex player. Andy, when you when you look at what's taking place in Cleveland, obviously we see Landry Jones um, actually getting grabbed. Um, Jarvis Landry, excuse me, Jarvis Landry being one of the players being grabbed from Miami. Then also you have Tyrod Taylor. When you look at the quarterback position, do you see them actually grabbing some a quarterback maybe at the fourth spot, assuming that they're going to actually grab Saquon Barkley at the number one spot? I would be surprised if they don't draft a quarterback. Tyrod Taylor does not move the meter. He's an NFL backup, and, and they signed him as probably a bridge guy in the event that they need him to play right away. Uh, I get that. That was a very limited offense schematically last year, and that was a big, big cross. The reason the Browns didn't win any games. And I've heard part of that was because they just didn't have much football IQ at the wide receiver position. And so you you lose your shifts and your pre-snap motions and all your complexity when that's the case. Well, if Tyrod Taylor is your quarterback, you're going to have that same issue again because that's the type of offense he ran in Buffalo, and that's, that's the reason Buffalo toyed with benching him for a while. They didn't have anyone to replace him with, so he stayed on the field. But Tyrod Taylor's not the solution. He's not going to change anything in Cleveland. Now, the guy who could would be Landry because he is a high football IQ guy. He does give you the element of pre-snap motion and shifting. He gives your scheme some schematic dimension. You're not just lining up and playing when you have them. You're doing things tactically to influence the defense. But for that to be the full value, for Landry to give you all that he's worth in that regard, you need probably one more smart wide receiver out there with him, and you need a quarterback that can manage the entire field. Andy Benoit, Sports Illustrated, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Andy, now that the Rams have added both Marcus Peters and Akeem Tlaib, how talented, yet at the same time potentially combustible, could that secondary be in Southern California? Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what it is. I and mean, that is, I heard someone refer to it as a powder keg of a secondary. <laughs> I thought that was a great term. Those are two really talented players. They're both off coverage corners who will make plays on the ball versus making plays on the receiver. So what what the Rams need to understand, and I think what Wade Phillips will understand, he's been around a while and he's he's coached to lead before, is they're going to give up some plays. They're, they're going to get beat a few times. They'll have some explosive plays against them. It's going to look bad. But they're also going to make some big plays. And what the, the X factor in all of this 
is the Rams believe they have a four-man pass rush that can get to the quarterback. And when you have that, it's Aaron Donald who leads that, obviously. And I would imagine they're going to sign or draft some other guys to, to – further that pass rush but when you have that those off coverage corners can become very valuable because the pass rush affords them more opportunity to jump routes and they can be aggressive because the ball is coming out quicker it's coming out on the defensive schedule rather than the quarterback schedule so stylistically Tlaib and Peters I don't know if I'd want to have both of them together I I think they're better if there's a solid reliable corner opposite them but the idea of having them both of them together, if you have a good pass rush, that can be a very dangerous playmaking tandem. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I think the Rams need to go get one or two more true pass rushers, though, to really ensure that they're going to have that equation. Staying within that division, you have the, the Seattle Seahawks with, obviously, we just mentioned Richard Sherman. Michael Bennett is going to the Philadelphia Eagles. Cam Chancellor not coming back. Earl Thomas may be gone. And then Jimmy Graham. Uh, we may end up seeing him maybe in a place like a Green Bay Packers football team. Uh, give me a take on how this is going to restructure everything and how this team looks in Seattle. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's just a rebuilding stage. I mean, it, it kind of snuck up on us a little bit, but here it is. And it's unfortunate the way it came about. A lot of these guys have injury issues. Sherman had it. Chancellor and Cliff Averill have had the neck problems that might end their careers. I didn't think Michael Bennett was washed up at all. I, I thought Philadelphia got a really good deal on that. Uh, but they were clearly wanting to move on from them and reshuffle a lot of that defense in Seattle. So it's a whole different equation now. It's Russell Wilson's team total. Not that it wasn't before, but they no longer have a defense that they can rely on to win the game for them. So they need that. Now they're relying on Russell Wilson to do that. And that's a different equation. And I don't know how well that's going to go because I think Russell Wilson's at his best when he is complimented by a power running game. And a power running game must be complimented by a great defense. So it all works together. We'll see how it goes. What's interesting is they changed so many of the coaches as well, but the guy in charge of all of it who's old, he's in his mid-60s, he's old by NFL coaching standards, Pete Carroll, he's still there. So he wanted to see the the change and – I've heard he gets re-energized by that kind of thing. He likes the culture of change. He better because he's got a big one now. Andy, great information as always. Thanks for joining us again today on the NFL on TuneIn. You got it. Thanks, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. The boys of summer are back. And a fly ball well hit. Back to the wall. He leaps. Can't get it. It's a home run. MLB Spring Training is here, and you can catch every game from Florida and Arizona live with your subscription to TuneIn Premium. Rivalry games, split squad games, TuneIn has it all. When the pitch count begins for real, catch every game of the 2018 MLB season from opening day to the MLB World Series live on TuneIn. Major League Baseball is on TuneIn Premium. Listen all season long. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's continue on the path to the draft with Lance Zerline from NFL.com. Lance, always a pleasure. Let's start under center. Which of the college quarterbacks do you believe in the most? Who do you think is going to be the best pro? I think it's going to be Sam Darnold. Um, he's the one I believe in the most, without question. I mean, to me, it's not really that close. I think Baker's the the next one that that probably feels the safest. Although there's some, you know, some some physical reservations, and and there's some things that that maybe from a maturity standpoint haven't been great here during the process. 
<clears throat> with Darnold, I just you know I just don't buy all the way into Sam Darnold as a leader of men, and that comes from talking to people inside that UCLA program. With Josh Allen, you got size, you got arm talent, but but you don't have a lot of really good tape. You just don't have the play of people around him. So that's a question, and I think Lamar Jackson is probably the ultimate wild card because we get to the bad offense coordinator, you know, I shouldn't say bad, an offense coordinator, an assistant that doesn't really fit him, it's, it's going to be a major, major problem. If he does get with someone who really, truly understands how to use him and they do a good job of putting him in position to do what he does best, well, I mean, he's got a chance to, to really make a ton of big, splashy plays. Lance, how much has this move with Tyrod Taylor somewhat reshuffled how you actually think about the quarterback position, especially when it comes down to the Cleveland Browns? Uh, not that much, Cordell, not that much, because I think it was always going to, okay, it does one of two things. I think it puts potentially Baker Mason, I'm not Baker, but um, I think it puts uh, Lamar Jackson in play with them in the second round. And the reason I say that is because I think you can run a similar offensive concept with your starter and your backup, and it's a good way to have Lamar Jackson learn behind a guy who has been a starting quarterback. I don't think Tyrod Taylor, I don't think this basically is Cleveland saying, we're not going to take quarterback. I don't think that at all. I think, if anything, it's something that was going to have to happen, which is get a veteran so that you don't have to rush a quarterback at that position. So it doesn't really change my opinion. I think you could still go quarterback and let that quarterback sit for at least a year. But by by giving up a third-round pick, it does make me think that they might be more willing to wait a year and a half to even two years for a quarterback. And let's remember, John Dorsey was part of that Green Bay staff that did just that when they were waiting a long time for Aaron Rodgers. Got with Lance Zerline from NFL Network. Lance, as you examine the potential pros and cons of Josh Rosen. I guess there's a real possibility the Giants could take him with the number two overall pick. What do you think NFL teams are more concerned about? The notion that he has strong opinions, and that's well-documented, a polarizing personality, or all the injuries he suffered on campus at UCLA? No, I think think injuries and his physical build is a concern. But I think a bigger concern is going to be whether or not people just have a good feel for him as a leader in the locker room. That was the big knock on him at college. And I talked to a general manager who was in need of a quarterback who spoke with him. And I said, what you, what'd you think of the guy? What, what kind of feel did you get? He goes, honestly, I just didn't get a great feel, you know, a positive feel. Seemed a little arrogant, a little bit smug. He said, of course, you know, that's what we had heard about him from our area, um, our area scout. But I think that's what he's going to have to battle some. He's going to have to battle the, the perception that he is a guy who's a little bit aloof and may not click in that locker room. And as you guys know, that is a big part of those intangibles. A big part of being a leader is, is having guys rally around you. You Speaking of guys rallying around someone, Saquon Barkley, I've been a big part of, and a big stickler of having him go to a team like the Cleveland Browns. Do you think this move again with Tyrod Taylor justifies that, that maybe they may grab him as the number one pick in the, in the first round and then maybe grab that quarterback in the fourth or somewhere else in the second round? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, uh, I had Saquon going number one to Cleveland in my, in my last mock that came out uh, just last week. And the reason simple, he's the best player on the board. And I don't think most people are going to dispute that. And if you have a generational talent, potentially, why not go back-to-back with Miles Garrett, who had that same potential 
on the defense on the defensive side, and then Saquon on the offensive side, and say, "Hey, we're just going to get blue chip players. We're going to stick them in there, and we'll figure the rest out." But you win championships by getting great players. You don't get cute and finesse it and say, "Well, we need a quarterback, so let's draft quarterback." Losers draft for need. Winners draft great players. So you, if you really want to change the culture in Cleveland, you better go get special players when you have the first and fourth pick. So figure the quarterback thing out, and I think that's what Tyrod Taylor does. It buys them the ability to not reach in this draft. Getting you set for the draft with our pal Lance Erlon, NFL Network, NFL.com. Lance, to take it back to last year, it was a bumper crop of talent at the receiver position. Bunch of marquee names going in the first round. Comparatively, what's your assessment of the receivers this year? Not as impressed. Not as impressed at all. I think uh, <clears throat> I think there's some quality talent, but not high end. Uh, to be honest with you, you've got Calvin Ridley, who I like a lot, but he is a little bit he's a little bit thin by wide receiver one standards. Uh, he is going to be 24 years old entering the season as a rookie, and that's not a big deal to me because he's very polished as a route runner. Um, I think he's explosive and. You know, he has the ability to get open because of that explosiveness and that route running. I think the, the one concern I have with, with Ridley is with all, you know, Alabama players, do they, do they max out on the, uh, on the college level? We just, we've seen a substantially high percentage of players who don't get a lot better on the next level. Now, when you look at, you know, beyond that, I'm a fan of Deion Kane from Clemson. I don't see as many people who have him rated as high as I do, which is in the second. But then again, I'm not as high on Christian Kirk as other people. I don't see Christian Kirk as a first-round talent. I see him as a good football player, but I think there's a value for him, which is that of a, of a slot receiver, and I'm, I feel fairly confident. And I know there's some other NFL teams that feel the same way I do and feel like he's really being overvalued by the media as a first-round uh, projection. So I like Christian Kirk. I think he's a solid player. I like Dante Pettis from Washington. I think he's solid. Cortland Sutton was a little disappointing to me from SMU when I studied him on tape. But I think there's DJ Chark is a, is a fast riser but has a low floor and a, and a pretty good ceiling. So I think there's a bunch of solid guys with potential, but I don't see those home runs other than Calvin Ridley. And even Calvin, Calvin Ridley is not a, a perfectly clean prospect with check marks across the board. Lance, I heard you mention things about Josh Rosen that you wasn't necessarily 100% buying into. But when it comes to his talent and having uh, coaches like the, the Jim Moore Juniors uh, in his corner, uh, you have the mm-hmm. Jed Fish, who actually had the experience in the National Football League. Does those uh, moments in time with being coached help him when transitioning to the National Football League? I think it depends on what they're telling other evaluators, Cordell. <laughs> I mean, it depends on if they truly are in his corner when they when they are off the record and they're speaking to NFL teams and guys they know, or are they on the record or off the record saying something different than what you hear publicly? I think that's a big part of the process. Here's the other thing. No one's going to be cleaner from a technique standpoint. Great footwork, elite tennis player when he was young, so his feet are just really beautiful. Uh, his setup's nice, quiet delivery. I mean, there's, and you know this. I mean, you, you look out there and you see a pretty prospect really pretty on the hoof in terms of the way he gets set up and delivers the ball. I don't think he has a big arm. I think it's, I think it's okay. And he has had issues with deep ball accuracy uh, since he's been a starter at UCLA for whatever reason. But here's what really bothers me. Sam Darnold, if he needs to check down and take the simple throw and move on to the next play, 
it's a no-brainer for Sam Darnold. He'll be more than happy to do that. That doesn't mean he's devoid of mistakes because he has 20 interceptions in his last 20 games. That's not good. But it's not because he's forcing things. I think it's because he doesn't always see the coverage the way he needs to, which is a separate issue. Josh Rosen takes a ton of sacks, and they are easy checkdowns available to him, and he still takes sacks. That is a selfish play. You've got to move on to the next play and stop playing hero ball if you're Josh athlete like Baker Mayfield, Donald Allen, or Lamar Jackson who can extend. He's got to stay in rhythm, and he's not doing that. Lance, always a pleasure. Thanks for giving us a few minutes again today on the NFL on TuneIn. No problem. Thanks, fellas. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. A year into Donald Trump's presidency, we still don't have answers to basic questions about how his family business works. Like, who are their business partners? Or is the business benefiting from his administration? Is Trump acting on behalf of the country or his company? Trump, Inc. is a podcast from WNYC Studios and ProPublica, where we dig deep and ask questions about President Trump's family business. We're looking for answers, and you can help. Listen to Trump, Inc. today on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's focus on the Browns with Ken Carman from 92.3, the fan in Cleveland. Ken, thanks for taking the time. A lot of activity in your town. Let's go step by step and focus first on the wide receiver position. Yeah, the Browns are going to have to pay Jarvis Landry a lot of money, but they have a ton of cap space. If Josh Gordon can finally keep his personal life in order, how good do you think this receiving bunch is going to be? Much better than they would, they've been before. I mean, they've, they've swung and missed. They really haven't even... I mean, you go back to where it was with Ray Farmer, and it feels like it was 40 years ago. It's just a few. Uh, you know, they took Vince Maley. He's a tight end now trying to hold on in the NFL. They took him in the fourth round and cut him uh, coming into camp. Uh, they, they tried the Ricardo. Ricardo Lewis is a great practice wide receiver, but in the games he just doesn't show up very much. Uh, Rashard Higgins is one of those guys that you could take or leave. Uh, so they've, they've tried their hand at a couple of different wide receivers, and the other one I haven't even mentioned is Corey Coleman, who has been hurt over the last couple of years and found himself in, in not so good a graces with the coaching staff, considering that he got sent home with Kenny Britt uh, for the Houston game last year. So a lot of people are pretty upset with him to see what he's going to do, what he can do for the future. So that's going to be a bit of a different one. Uh, I think if, if Josh can keep his head out of the clouds, which is always going to be – the major issue, uh, they, they can be much improved with him. I still think they're going to try to make moving free agency for somebody, or they'll, they'll probably go in the draft. And it's going to be interesting to see what they do, because they, they, they took a wide receiver when they drafted Corey in the first round. They took him in what we thought was going to be a, a deep draft. And it ended up kind of being fruitless for a lot of teams. So we'll see if they can find maybe somebody there in the second round or something like that if they wanted to go wide receiver in this draft. When looking at the receivers, as far as the Cleveland Browns are concerned, do they have the quarterback, Tyrod Taylor? Do you think he will be able to make that connection to the few receivers he have on this team moving forward? I think he will. You know, and, and I'd like to hear, you know, Cordell, you play the position. So, I, you know, it's, I, I get sold on some of these guys and think that he can help out. He can solidify the position but, I mean, you, you've seen him play. Right. Can, can he do it? Because, I, I mean, you're more of a – I hate to do a question with a question. I know you brought me on for a reason, but, I mean, hell, I'd like to hear what you have to no. say about it because I, I don't want to be oversold. I think I'm right. trying to go in 
honest, but we'll see what he can do. Well, I'll say this. I'll say this. You know, when it comes to stability at that position. Now, you know, I know sometimes you like to make, you know, big splashes to allow the, the masses to appreciate it and buy in. But I think when you look at the quarterback position and what it's been able to accomplish in Cleveland over the years, there's truly hadn't been any true stability, meaning someone that had the experience in the National Football League and was capable, truly capable of coming in and maybe put your team in position to win some football games. He's more than serviceable, Tyrod Taylor. I mean, he's giving you 14 touchdowns, uh, four interceptions. There's been a few years within his time there with the Buffalo Bills where he's taken his team to an eight and eight position. I think if they all of a sudden end up grabbing someone like a Saquon Barkley, I think have a, um, a, Jar- a Jarvis Landry along with a Josh Gordon in there, I think now it start positioning this football team. I think scheme-wise with Todd Healy and understanding how to use the mobile quarterback and having this talent after coming out of Pittsburgh, I think it's something that you can go into on Sundays, Mondays, or even Thursdays and say, you know what, we have a chance because of what we have. Now, long-term, that's a different conversation. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad to hear that from you because, you know, I, I think I see something, but I don't know the game like, like you guys do in, in a lot of ways. I mean, you played it, um, and, I, and I, I think, well, okay, I think he'll be the best we've certainly had since Brian Hoyer and before that. And we used to have these fights over Brian Hoyer. And I say that I say that in the best way possible because they had him at seven and five, and he conducted himself with professionalism and conducted the offense the same way. And that's what we're looking for here. You know, I'm not trying to say something nasty about Deshaun Kaiser. I think Deshaun Kaiser is a fine young man, and I hope that he is able to collect himself up in Green Bay and maybe get an opportunity some at some point down the road here in a few years. But they put him in an awful situation. One of the reasons, the one of the major reasons they they lost. All their games last year wasn't just because of talent. They had a little bit of talent, but it wasn't on up to par with some of the other teams in the NFL, obviously. It was when they got down inside the 20, and they're in that red zone, and at least you can come away with three points to get the zero off the board. He'd get worked up, and he'd turn it over. And it was just one flating turnover after another. He'd lose the ball. He, he got caught in himself. He really became skittish over time. And a lot of that, I don't blame on him. I blame on putting a baby with a bunch of babies out there and expecting them to compete somehow. Uh, I would I would put some of that on Hugh Jackson and certainly uh, Sashi Brown for not putting in a not letting a veteran at least be in there to at least let him get his bearings before he plays. So I think that if you were to bring in Tyrod Taylor, since they're bringing in Tyrod Taylor, you're to let him work with those guys, even if you do get Saquon Barkley number one or number four. Uh, I think that's going to be a hell of a lot better because then they could start to do some of those things that they did in Buffalo, which is hold on to the ball, pound teams out, and try to get themselves a couple of wins. I don't think this is, I'm not familiar with, with crazy of the playoffs or anything like that, but this is at least an opportunity at a step of respectability where they have not been respectable in a very long time. I mean, I was a I was a very young kid the last time they made the, the, the I was in middle school, no junior high last time they made the playoffs, and the last time they won the playoff game I was in elementary school. So it's it's been a hell of a long time for this franchise. Ken, you got a bit of a funky line, and I know you're busy doing the morning shift, so we'll keep it concise. We appreciate you joining us, and we book Cordell on the show. Would you like Cordell to call in and be a part of the morning show? Just let us know. We can make it happen. 
Absolutely. Thank you very much. Sorry about the connection. No problem whatsoever, Ken. In the middle of the country. I got it. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes today on the NFL on TuneIn. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.